so you got to do the opening. I don't. What you do the opening. So oh, sorry. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree, and I'm Joe, and this is the story of the Icebox Murders. Okay, so on June 23rd, 1965, a man named Marvin Martin called the Houston Police Department asking for a wellness check on his aunt and uncle, Fred and Edwina Rogers. Not that Fred Rogers, different Fred Rogers. This is not Mr. Rogers. This is an older version that you didn't know about. Right. So they live at uh, 1815 Driscoll Street. In the Montrose neighborhood in Houston. So, I don't know that name. Montrose? Driscoll. No, oh, there's Driscoll? a... Isn't there a Driscoll Hotel? I don't know. Is there a Driscoll Hotel? I mean... I... Is it in Houston? I don't know. I don't know either. There is a Driscoll. The Driscoll, it's in Austin. That's different, okay, Driscoll. That's That's... Yeah. That's D-R-I-S-K-I-L-L. I-L-L, yeah. Theirs was Driscoll, C-O-L-L. Okay. Okay, so anyway, so Marvin Martin calls the cops, and he says he's been trying to contact his aunt and uncle, and he hasn't heard from him in a few days. Apparently, there are reports that he had actually gone to the house and knocked on the door, and nobody would answer the door, Um, but he was worried about them because they're older right so right so yeah typical wellness check type right right so the cops show up um at this point so fred is 81 years old and edwina is 72 at this point so police arrive at the house and they begin to knock and they can't get anybody to answer all the doors and windows are locked so they can't get in they decide to kick the door in I've heard, so there's two different sets of reports that I heard. One was they kicked the front door in and nothing was weird. The other report was that they kicked the back door in and that it was barricaded. Like there was all these potted plants and stuff in front of the door. Like somebody was trying to keep people from coming in. I don't know how true that is, but. I wonder if it's. It doesn't really jive with the main story that I've heard this whole time, which was that the police came into the house and they didn't, nothing looked awry, right? It just looked like a normal household, nothing crazy. Right. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't find anything on a police report. So, so anyway, when they came into the house, everything was, was pretty much neat and orderly. Um, not much out of place. There was food on the table. And they said there was food on the table. They didn't say it was prepared. They didn't say it was already eaten. They didn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like there was a mess. I don't know. It, it, they didn't really specify on what, what the state of the food was. So they, they just mentioned that there was food on the table. Okay. So it could have been just really anything. Right. It could have been literally any type of food on the table. Okay. 
So after a after a search, they found nobody home, and uh, nothing alarming. Uh, you know, other than that one report of the the door being barricaded. Um, okay, so everything's locked up, and when they get in there, there's nobody in there. Right, there's nobody home. Nothing. Like okay. they go through the whole my, house, nobody's home. My um, first instinct and fear was that they're gonna, you know, get in there, and then there's people in there, but the whole place is all, like all locked up. Right. So then it's right. like, okay, well, how can somebody get out if it's, you know what I mean? Okay, go well, ahead. Well, right, and it, that was, that was never specified either as far as, it just, and that's, again, that kind of goes against the whole idea of the, the, the door being barricaded, because how would you barricade the door and then leave? It just seems odd, right? Uh, to me. That the door was barricaded? Right. If somebody's going to leave, that's what I'm saying. It just doesn't really jive. It doesn't, that, that whole story of the door being barricaded doesn't jive with kind of the rest of everything I've, I've heard about this so far. So we'll, well kind of leave I mean, that one off to the side, but. And it could have just been, that's how they kept it. The door barricaded? Yeah. Like if they didn't want the, if they didn't want people using that door. Does that make sense? I guess so. It just, I mean, but... like. Well, so, like, if you think about it, like, at, at my parents' place, nobody ever uses the front door. Mom will put her Christmas tree right in front of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, unintentionally, like, nobody uses it. Yeah, that's a good point. Possibly. I guess it's possible. I would have assumed Marvin Martin would have been there at the time. Oh. And, it again, there's no mention of that either. But I would have assumed he would have been there and been like, oh, here's, you know what I mean? Here's what I've found. This is what's going on. Right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it was just a straight up, they went in the wrong door, which seems odd, right? Why would you go through the wrong, I mean, yeah. why would you go through the back door if there's pot, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, odd, so let's move on. Yeah. Let's leave the, let's leave the potted plant thing off to the side. All right. We're going to leave the potted plants. Multiple reports I heard was it was a random occurrence that the policeman decided to look in the refrigerator. Another report I heard was that he was looking for a beer. So he may have been thirsty. The whole search thing got him thirsty. He needed a beer, so he opens the fridge. According to the policeman, according this was a quote, direct quote from him, was that there were multiple slabs of what looked like pork, cut, cleaned, but unwrapped in the refrigerator. So the whole fridge was just stacked full of what looked like pork and his thought was it's really sad that all this meat being unwrapped is going to go bad so no beer he goes to shut the refrigerator and right before he closes the door he notices a face staring at him from the crisper drawer the vegetable drawer right the clear oh. drawer yeah yeah so of course he freaks out um there was really no mention of how he reacted at that point. You'd think he'd kind of mention being a, a, you know, slightly freaked out by something like that. Right. Of course, now the investigation starts. They started going through the body parts. They're laying them all out. They're pulling them out of the refrigerator. They're laying them all out on <gasps> plastic oh. in the uh, in the house. Oh, so it's not. Pork. And they find. No, it's not pork. This is oh. not pork. This is uh, this is human being oh. material here. Oh my god! Um, is there fire? So at beans? first, <laughs> at first they think they're only dealing with one body. This was Edwina 
Roger's face was what they or head that they found in the in the crisper drawer. And <gasps> oh, as they dear. go to pull body parts out, they find Fred's head. Oh my well. god. Now Fred's head, unlike Edwina's head, which was fully intact, Fred's head was missing his eyeballs. He had been thoroughly beaten to death with a hammer, which was found later. Oh no. And his eyeballs were removed. And then as they continue to pull body parts out and try to reconstruct the uh, the bodies, they find no hands, no feet, and Fred's genitals are missing. Oh. So, yeah. So they, they later determined that uh, whoever killed Fred had a, had a grudge. Uh, so he beat him to obviously. death with a hammer. Yeah. Gouged so... his eyes out and removed his genitals. She's just dismembered, but he's, like, completely just torn right. apart. Yes. They were both surgically dismembered. Surgi oh. That's, that was something that they, they mentioned, was that whoever did this had a pretty good idea of anatomy, because it was pretty well done. And I haven't mentioned this yet, but like I said, the house was clean, right? There was This was a neat and orderly house. There wasn't blood everywhere. This wasn't a mess. This was all done neatly for lack of a better word right they later determined that edwina was killed execution style one shot with a pistol and obviously fred was mangled so was he was he shot too and then mangled afterwards or no no he was beaten to death his death was beaten to death with a hammer oh my god his death was by hammer um, so why yeah. would they kill her with a shotgun, but then beat her with a hammer? It wasn't a shotgun. It was a pistol. Oh, pistol. Uh, it, but it was just one shot to the head, execution style. I'm not real sure exactly. They didn't mention how they determine execution style or what they mean by execution style. I would assume it was a close range shot to the head. I mean, yeah. I doubt it's execution style like we think of, like Mafia, where you're on your knees and... You know, they shoot oh, you in the back of the head. I and you was one hundred percent gonna act like I knew what I was talking about. Be like, oh well, on based off of the the cases I've read, usually the person's on their knees with their hands tied behind their back and they're shot in the head. Yeah, that, <laughs> and you're, you're when like, they say not execution literally. here. Yeah, no, I I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think this was a literal begging for your life type type of execution style. I think. Close range, shot to the head, probably didn't see it coming type thing. Um, and we'll get into why I think that later. But Okay, so okay, anyway. you're going to explain that. Okay, cool. Right, so, so moving on. Um, it wasn't actually till a, a few days later, a couple days after they found all this, that um, a neighbor complained about the sewer lines being blocked. And that's when they found all the organs from the bodies oh. that had been flushed down the toilet. So that's how they determined that the main bathroom downstairs was actually where he had dismembered and bled out and cleaned <gasps> all of the body parts before putting them in the fridge. And then he flushed all of the organs down the, down the drain. That's terrible for the drain lines. I mean, can you imagine being the plumber? Oh my God. Like who would even think that? I'll just I'll just flush it down the toilet. It'll be fine. 
I mean, you know, it happens a lot more than you think. That was, uh, was it Dahmer? It was one of the, uh, one of the main, one of the big uh, serial killers. That was, that was one of their, that was how they got busted. And I can't remember, it may not have been, there's so many stories in my head about all this. But one of, that was, that was the deal was he was like second story in an apartment complex. And eventually the lower floor neighbors complained because the, Water was backing up in their toilet, and that's when they went to go clean it all out. Is when they started finding all the the chunks that this guy had been flushing over the years. So, mm. yeah, so it happens a lot more than you'd think. I mean, if you think about it, it's really a great place to put it if you can if you can get it small enough that it doesn't cause problems. That's the issue, right? Is how how much work are you willing to put into not getting caught? Because you start throwing bigger chunks down there. And eventually you get you get in trouble there. Yeah, because it's not it's not like that stuff, you know, dissolves right. the way that things that go down the toilet do. Right. It's that that's not gonna just, you know, evaporate. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Yeah. This is like such like <laughs> your first one is so gruesome. This is like <laughs> <laughs> Super duper gruesome. Well, Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's, it's how this things go. You know, these things happen like this. This murder's not really ever clean. Uh, oh, that's so true. Speaking of clean, so again, they they said that the house seemed like it had been meticulously cleaned. So whoever did this cleaned cleaned the house very very well. Right. And we've, we've heard this several times, obviously. People do that. They go and cover everything in bleach. Right, right. According to police reports, they said almost no blood was found in the house other than a few drops near the door to the attic. And when police went into the attic, they found a bloody keyhole saw, which I don't know if you know what a keyhole saw is. I do not. It's a, it's a, it's a small, sharp, pointed saw, and it's used for cutting out small... It's 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 a wood saw, but it's for you would basically put it in a hole like a in a board or in sheetrock or whatever, and you would cut out whatever you needed to. It's a little hand saw. It almost looks like a knife, but it's a little saw, and it's for like fine cuts in wood, sheetrock, things like that. So they found a bloody keyhole saw that they later determined had been used to dismember the bodies. So the coroner says that the murders happened three days prior to when they found the bodies, which would have happened to have been Father's Day. So let's keep that in mind. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So Fred and Edwina had two children. Betty Charlotte Rogers, born 1919, died 1929. So Betty, uh, the daughter, she was the older sibling. So there's two children, right? Betty was the older sibling. Born 1919, and she died in 1929 in a car accident. So apparently, side note here, apparently all the family members were injured in this car accident. They don't really specify how bad, but they were all injured in the car accident. The other, the other, the other child was Charles Frederick Rogers, born December 30th, 1921. So he was two years older. Charles enrolled in Texas A&M in 1942. We know where that's at, right? Yep. Whoop. 
And right after, shortly after he enrolled in Texas A&M, he actually dropped out and he enrolled in the University of Houston. Nobody really mentions why he decided he didn't want to go to Texas A&M, but he dropped out, went to the University of Houston, where he ended up earning a bachelor's degree in nuclear physics. Nuclear physics. Nuclear physics. The guy's not an idiot. Let's start that off right yeah. there. Yeah. So he graduated. When he graduated, uh, World War II had just started. So he joined the Navy as a pilot. And uh, later, after being a pilot, he worked in the Office of Naval Intelligence. So again, Dang. not an idiot. The guy, the guy does some smart stuff. He knows what he's doing, yeah. Right? And when the war ended, he worked for Shell Oil for nine years. I'm familiar with Shell. Yeah. As a seismologist. What do they do? So a seismologist studies earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanoes, and tectonic plates. And it's basically they study the vibrations in the crust of the earth and whatever effects they produce uh, around the world. So it, you know, if it's so if it's an earthquake that's... or if it's been caused by an earthquake, you can bet a seismologist has checked it and looked over it and read into the vibrations and kind of figured out where it came from and all that good stuff. I mean, it so, seems legit. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so when the war ended, after he worked for Shell Oil, he worked for Shell Oil for nine years. And then he just abruptly quit in 1957 with absolutely no explanation. So now we have two situations where he's like, okay, I quit college, but I'm going to go over here and then right. I quit this. It's weird. I didn't, yeah, I didn't put those two together. That makes sense. I didn't even think about the fact that he's kind of maybe got a problem with commitment. I don't know. But yeah, for commitment nine, I mean, issues. it's just odd. Yeah. And it's odd. I mean, why would you, nine years? Seems like a long time for you to just all of a sudden quit. Someone pissed so, him off. Yeah. So anyway, he joined the Civil Air Patrol in the mid-1950s. So I'm assuming this means that if he so if he if he quit Shell Oil in 57, I'm, he, he was in the, the Civil Air Patrol before he quit. And it's basically, so I guess to give you an idea, the Civil Air Patrol is kind of, I almost look at it like Boy Scouts, but... Uh, a, a grown-up version of Boy Scouts for the for the Air Force. So it's actually a sanctioned um, Air Force cadet program where previous Air Force pilots would be, say the you know the veterans would be the mentors for cadets, and this is kind of a it's a program to get to help cadets kind of move up in the ranks, and then eventually, I guess their plan is these would these cadets would end up joining the air force or the the navy at some point as pilots. Okay. So it's okay. kind of a civilian and military based thing so they can learn how to be pilots and I guess kind of go either way when they move up. So Okay. Glad you explained that cuz I had no clue what you were talking about. Right. Okay. So um apparently he spoke 7 languages. Charles spoke 7 languages and i looked shut your damn mouth yeah i looked everywhere and i could not find what those seven languages were so i know he spent a lot of time in south america 
Okay. So I'm assuming there's a few there. Um, right. But other than that. Well, we can assume English. Well, we can definitely assume that. We can and assume Spanish. And we can assume we can Honduran. Assume... And we'll talk about that in a little while. Oh, but okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's you, three. you know, process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Okay. So continue. again, again, not a dumb guy. Not yeah. He not a he's... dumb guy at all. No, and he's then... not dumb. However, he clearly has commitment issues. <laughs> he does. And so, so people that knew him, and this is again, these these are, I I find it weird the way they kind of word things here because there's no real reference to all this. But the people that knew him or his friends, I guess. Maybe people that were in the military with him said he was highly intelligent, and he had a talent. So I guess this would be somebody from from uh, Shell Oil. Said he had a a talent for finding gold, oil, and gas for the people he worked for. So apparently, he knew something as far as locating things like that, because that's kind of what he did. I guess as a seismologist being in the whole study of the Earth's crust type thing. Maybe there's something there as far as what you look for in order to find oil and gas and gold. You know, come and... to think of it, there's a guy that lives here where I live, um, and that's what he does, and he, he works for some oil company. And um, he has, like, a huge ranch outside of town, but they say that he's just brilliant, like... He has he yeah. has the ability to just be able to find anything. Well, that's that sounds like this guy. So now we've gone through the life of Charles, right? Charles Frederick Rogers. Okay. So now we cut back to where we were, right? This is this is the part that I tell you that Charles at the time had been living in the attic of Fred and Edwina Rogers. So you Their can kind of put together. Their kid, their son, was living in the attic. Was living in the attic. Okay. Of the house that Fred and Irina Rogers were found dead in. Oh. Did they know he was living in the attic? They did. Okay. Nobody has heard from Charles ever Ooh. since this went down. Oh, that's sus. Ever since. That's sus. Neighbors, in fact. Neighbors said they were unaware that Fred and Wiener, Edwina Rogers even had a son. They said, according to Melvin Martin, he would leave super early in the morning and come back late at night and was, was about as reclusive as a human can be. <gasps> to know, the point that he would even, he would communicate with his parents by sliding notes under the door of his room in the attic. Okay. This just sounds so... Like, one of those situations where, like, you have, like, a, um antisocial kid or, like, one that's not uh, keeping up with their age. Mm -hmm. And then the parents are embarrassed by it, so they don't want to tell anybody about this kid. But then they have this. It, it, you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like I've seen. Yeah, but this is somebody who is super smart, right? He's yeah. He's done a lot. I mean, the guy is not. For somebody to be a basically a hermit now, right? I mean that's crazy. For somebody that's that's done all this, right? I mean he's right. 
He went to college. He graduated with a, a degree in nuclear physics, for Christ's sake. He joined the Navy. He was a pilot. He was in the intelligence agency. He's even so he's a mentor, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the the civil air, whatever the hell I called it. Good but Lord. it makes more sense, like with all the his issues, his commitment issues and stuff. He's obviously got issues. Well, sure, but but we've we've so we've notified we've noticed two things. I mean, he's got a commitment issue, maybe right for the for college. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe he found a girlfriend that was hotter at U of H. And he decided he didn't want to go to A&M because he wanted to ride with her to school every day. I, you know, that may not be a commitment issue. Now, the whole yeah. quitting your job thing is odd. That's definitely That's, weird. Right. And living in your parents' attic. Right. And not having a job afterwards. This is, I mean, we're talking about eight years later, right? We're talking about 1965 was when the murders occurred. And 1957 is when he quit his job. So eight years, no job, but he was doing something, right? He was busy because the guy was leaving super early and he was coming back super late. So this is, as much as we want to say, oh, this guy was a hermit, maybe not. Maybe this was, maybe he was just the most busy individual you've ever met in your life. Or maybe he was leaving at night to go murder people and come back. I mean, I guess it's possible, but they've never linked anything to him. Like, yeah, they've never linked anything. Right, because he's ridiculously smart. I mean, okay. It could happen. It could happen. Okay, so police put out a warrant for Charles as a material witness uh, a few days after the uh, the the murders, or after they find the bodies, right? Right. But again, never heard from him again. Never heard from him again. So there have been all kind of theories out there, right? Uh, one of the theories, and you're going to like this, uh, was that he had possible involvement in the assassination of JFK. Shut your mouth. Yeah. What's his last name? So this is Charles Frederick Rogers. Charles Rogers. No. Does it, does it ring a bell? One. No. No. So, and I've, so I've done heard... some research on right? the JFK. Okay, so then you know, <laughs> then you know about the three tramps. Yes. yes. Okay. They say he may have been one of the three tramps. Well, you know who the other ones were, right? Yes, I was fixing to say they were so, identified. So, so go ahead. So we had Charles Harrelson, right? Charles Harrelson, right? Who was the other one? Was I'm trying to remember here now. Charles, they were all Charleses. Right. Charles Rogers, Charles Harrelson, and Chauncey Holt. Sorry, it wasn't it wasn't all Charleses. It was all CHs. Chauncey Holt. Uh now those are the those are the allegations. I'm sorry. So, okay. So that I'm looking at other allegations here, and I'm seeing Charles Harrelson, Charles Rogers, and Chauncey Holt. The uh, early allegations were E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis, right? Yes, yeah. And then who was the other one? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, okay, so... so but that's a... Oh, this kills me. The fact that they don't even know who they found, right? Right. How do you not know? How do you not know who you found? Well... So, I'm seeing Dan Carswell. Yeah, I'm seeing see Frank Sergis, and I'm seeing E. Howard Hunt, okay? But, here's the thing, though. All of the... the so, the three that they had... All these people that they're alleging were the three people are just allegations. They're saying, "Oh, this looks like this person." Right, right. How do you how do you do this as a police force who's investigating the assassination of a current president? Yeah. How do you pick up three people and fail to identify all three people? Right. And then they end up arresting somebody completely unrelated to the three people. Completely unrelated. Has nothing to do with it. So the, the allegations or, the, or the, the theory there was that at some point Charles Rogers was actually impersonating. Um, oh, this is where me being bad with names is going to be a problem. The guy that actually that they actually caught for the, for the murder. What's his name? Why does my, why does my brain suck? My brain sucks. Three names, because they all have three oh, names. Oh my god! What? Uh, uh, hey, I'm not uh, the only one. I feel better now. <laughs> my brain hurts. Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald. Son yes, of, Lee Harvey Oswald. The so they say. Think about that. <laughs> always in my mind. I do it either. So, so the allegations were, or, or the, I'm sorry, the theories were that that Charles Rogers had actually impersonated Lee Harvey Oswald at some point previous to this whole thing. Um, no real explanation as to why. And that were they, were they connected? Did they know each other? Or again, you don't know? It doesn't very, say. very, very loose theories here. This is right, a okay. super loose theory. And it was, so there, there's I really nothing I, to support it. Right. Okay. This was basically just a reference from a book called The Man on the Grassy Knoll. And they basically claimed that Charles Rogers was a CIA agent, um, which I guess wouldn't be unheard of considering how smart the guy was. Right. And they claimed that he and Charles Harrelson uh, were involved in the assassination. And they said that basically what they were, what they're alleging is that Charles Rogers killed his parents because someone overheard him talking on the phone about this whole thing uh-huh. and that he had to get rid of them in order to keep the cover up. And then he, they're saying their allegation was that he fled to Guatemala basically with the help of the U S government or whoever was the CIA yeah. was involved. Right. So with the help of the CIA, that's how he could never be found again. So uh, remind me to tell you, Okay. Now, I understand that you're getting this excerpt from a book that uh, doesn't have a lot of validity behind it. However, right. there are other things in relation to this very topic 
that would suggest the same scenario involving Charles Harrelson and the CIA. Right. No, no. And that's, and that's part of it. But also involving Lyndon B. Johnson. Right. No, I, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that's, and that's kind of where this comes from, right? There I, is, yeah, there is evidence to support those theories, which would right, make right. your the 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 exactly, which kind of excerpt. gives a little bit of credence to what's going on here. But yeah, again, when I say loosely, I feel like that they, they were grasping at straws here, based on the evidence that they already had, right, about the CIA and Charles Harrelson. I think they kind of tried to push this into the into that realm, right? I don't think it had much validity. But they already had that story going, right? And it already had its own credence. Right. And I think they decided, oh, well, maybe this applies. And it was kind of, yeah. it was around the same time. So, ah, maybe this works, right? Yeah. So since there's evidence to support the other theories, they're going to lump all of this into one and be like, it is possible right. that this could also have happened involving this. I mean, I can totally see that. Right. Yep. And, but, Okay, so so let's so let's cut to 1997 now. Okay, so again, nothing has been found out. Charles Rogers never been found. Cold case still open, by the way. So like still to this day, like 2021. I don't know if it's to this day, but yeah. I'm gonna say to probably at least 2010. I would yeah. say to this day, right? I mean, they they haven't solved it. They have not solved it. So it's. You can say to this day. Okay, so let's just say to this day. It's yeah, it's on the uh Texas Rangers website as okay. an unsolved case. So there you go. So it's still still an unsolved murder to this day, right? So in 1997, uh there was a couple named Hugh and Martha Gardiner, and they're basically they call themselves um forensic accountants. Oh yeah, I looked into that. Okay. That's a real thing. Yeah, so they kind of explain it as they they follow kind of the money, but the money has a bigger story than just money, right? So mm -hmm. if you had a certain amount of money move from one person to another person, you can really put together a whole story based on that if you can dig it up, right? And that's kind of what they do. So they do all their digging, and okay. that's that's normally what they follow is kind of the money, but this for some reason this story kind of caught their attention, and they kind of decided to to dig into it. Right. And uh, so they found a ton of interesting little tidbits that kind of start to tell more of a story than even the police decided to try to find, which is kind of odd to me because I feel like if this is still an open case and these people are uncovering all this information, why wouldn't the police be interested in this? Now, I know that it's it's been a long time, right? But if it's still an open case... I can't, it just seems odd that this, even though they did all this, this stuff and we're fixing to talk about kind of what all they uncovered, but it, it didn't have an effect on the fact that this is still an unsolved case in the, in the eyes of the law, right? According to friends and family, uh, Fred and Edwina Rogers absolutely hated each other. So that was something the cops never looked into, never found out, never said anything about. It was never reported, right? So the murdered couple... Hated each other. Hated each other. They were constantly oh. fighting about literally anything and everything. One report that they found even stated that they had two separate refrigerators. One was for his food, and the other was for her food. I mean, that's 
If that's not a level of hatred, I don't know what would be, right? So there are actually reports of Fred being physically and emotionally abusive throughout Charles' entire childhood all through high school. So they don't really mention what and how any of the real details, but apparently he was, Fred was an asshole and Charles got the brunt of it. And I don't know what, what that stemmed from or why or anything like that, but that's just, that's what was going on. So then they, they started digging and they found that Fred and Edwina were heavy gamblers and Fred was even a bookie on the side. So he's normally a real estate agent and he had a bookie business on the side. So he was doing gambling and all that. It's kind of a, you know, a little, little, uh, little shady. Yeah. And then they did more digging and oh. they found. That you would think would have gotten brought up in the initial investigation. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't seem like they cared to dig into any of this. It was just like, okay, well, here's these people. They're dead. Their son's missing. Um, we don't know where he's at. We're going to put out a warrant for him. We're pretty sure he did it. End of story. Till we find him, case goes cold. That's right. odd. Or or were they told that the case needs to go cold, if you know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, people, people up high. I feel like if that were the case, right, if this was a CIA cover-up type deal, this would have been done a whole different way, right? They would have had somebody to pin it on? Yeah, if you've got a couple that are heavy gamblers and they've got a bookie business on the side, right? And it we it even gets into apparently they they would they would dip their toe in the pool of fraud multiple times in their life. So they were they were oh. constantly doing stuff on the side that was shady. Oh, so they were just they were walking that fine line just teasing yeah. the Yeah, they could have easily made it look like a hit like oh that you know, gambling gone wrong type stuff. Right. And these reports don't mention either that, you know, when this was all going on, we're talking about 72 years old and 80, 83, right? They're not, they're pretty freaking old. I don't know that they were doing this to this day. It was 81 and 72. I don't know if they were doing it to this day, but regardless, if you're the CIA and you're trying to get rid of somebody and just completely wipe the trail clean, you're going to do it better than that. And you have all. Yeah. Of the of I the mean, resources you need to do it, right? right? So <laughs> they have all the resources, like not a few or not just enough. Right. They have all of them. <laughs> they could have made them disappear. Even that, they have, they just they, there's even those options there, right? And we're talking about Charles, so Charles would have known if he was, let's say, he was a CIA agent, he would have known all the dirty details of what his parents were doing, and he would have been able to just say, "Hey, here's what we do," and it would have been that easy done right gambler pissed off lost a big bet came in killed them both there he is it's that guy go get him you know what i mean it would have been if it was one of those type of deals it would be a that's another reason i don't feel like this is that well connected because it would have been even cleaner there would have been no mention of charles ever being the 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 murder suspect and it you know i still he would have been but i see what you're saying about the cia involvement right Okay, so they did more digging, right? And they found out that although the police thought that Charles lived with his parents, it turned out that it was actually the opposite. Charles owned the house, and his parents were living with him. 
Oh, shut up! Apparently, his mother had signed Charles's name and had the deed changed to her name so that she owned the house. So she forged it. She forged his name <gasps> so that she could own the house. So they were doing him dirty. Apparently, she had gotten loans on the house. So there were liens on the house mm -hmm. in his name that she forged that he had to pay off. <gasps> so there's... Oh. There's money issues here. There's there's motive here of why he say, would do this. I hear right? motive. That's what right. I'm hearing. Right. So there's so now that and this is again, how the hell do the cops not try to uncover this kind of thing? This isn't that this is not that deep that it would be, you know, impossible for the police to find these types of things out. Right. Anyway, so the police was released some more information in the newspaper in 1968. So this is three years after the murders. So it's not like they're not worried about this case anymore, right? They're not just, oh, well, let it go cold. In three years after the murder, they released more information that they didn't originally release to the public in order to hopefully get this started again. And what they said was that a man who looked exactly like Charles Rogers had walked into an office building in downtown Houston and the employees there said that he looked nervous and he wanted to apply for a job as a welder. He said his name was Anthony Pitts. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's the story. That's what they put out in the newspaper. So maybe they're looking to shake something loose with a name like Anthony Pitts. So, again, now, now Hugh and Martha get a hold of that information and they start looking around. And they find out that Charles' girlfriend, Jean, actually worked at that office. He had a girlfriend? Apparently, he had a girlfriend. So he's not the hermit we all it, think See what is. I'm saying? It's it's weird how this all went down. So but maybe it, in the middle of the night when he's sneaking off to go do whatever, he's going to see his girlfriend. I mean, on the regular. Uh, to yeah. the point that the neighbors don't even know he lives there, even though he owns the house. I mean, there's, there's a there's a lot of crazy in this in this little family here. I also feel like the dude knows what he's doing, though. I mean, apparently, but but why would what is your what is your motivation from hiding for hiding your existence from your neighbors? Like what? Who? Maybe to not be bothered. I don't know. Or maybe so that he could disappear. Like you don't get close to anybody, you don't develop relationships. So when he does. Yeah allegedly murder his parents, he could just disappear. Long con. <laughs> could be a long play. Yeah, the long con here. This is a majorly long con. Like, 20, 30 year long con. That's, I mean, it would take a genius to do it and to have that Oof. kind of restraint. Yeah. It's just, there's just so much crazy in this, though. It just, man. So anyway, apparently, his girlfriend, Jean, supplied him with a 1959 Cadillac and he drove off in that car. So nice. this was, again, this was uncovered by the uh, the Gardeners, not by the cops. So how they figured that one out, I'm not sure. I would assume there's some paperwork involved somewhere there. But anyway, so they knew that Charles was a pilot, right? So they started looking into Charles's plane because they assumed with the amount of being a, being a seismologist, the man's not broke, right? 
He is a pilot. He would probably own a plane. So they actually went through all sense. the records in Houston and they found his plane. Nice. Check this out. So Charles sold his airplane like right around the time of the murders to a man named Pop Fullwood. Okay. Pop okay. Fullwood turned around and sold that airplane to a man named Anthony Pitts. So now check this out now. So Anthony Pitts, they found out later, was actually a friend of Charles. Real guy. Actual dude. Real person. Did they find him? So we're we're getting there. So Anthony right. Pitts and Charles had worked together in South America. Okay. With another guy named John Mackey. Where have I heard so, I know that name? You know John Mackey? Yeah. How do you know John Mackey? I don't know. I didn't know John Mackey. He's the CEO of Whole Foods. Whole Foods, which is funny because I've actually seen or I've heard uh, the podcast with Joe Rogan and John Mackey, and I did not put those two together at all. That's where I've heard it. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, that's where I've I heard guess. it. I guess. Yeah. Okay. okay, continue. So keep in mind, this is 1997, so I would assume this is probably close to the year 2000 when they really start looking into where this is all going. So we're talking about, this is a long time later, right? So right. if Charles was born in 21, we're talking about 80 years old, right? So they go to yeah. look for Anthony Pitts and John Mackey, and they cannot find either one of them. Um, John Mackey had died, and they didn't really mention how, but they did find John Mackey's widow. So nice. according to John Mackey's widow, and they mentioned they mentioned that widows talk, right? That after everything's said and done, widows heck yeah, they do. Widows are the way to go for. for <laughs> They're um, ride or die until you die. <laughs> right, right, and then it's like, well, you know, here's what he did, that asshole. So according to him, the Honduran police had actually called the house at one point, back when all this was going on. And they had asked John Mackey if he could identify the body of a geologist who was found dead down the river from one of their mines. So they had a – John Mackey had a bunch of mines down in Honduras. And the, the theory here is that – remember how we mentioned that Charles was the guy who could find all the stuff, right? He could find the gold and the, and the oil and the gas. Right. So the theory is that he went down there and John Mackey and Anthony Pitts helped him disappear in exchange for him working for them as the guy that went and found all that stuff. So the, the, the Honduran police asked if he could identify the body of a geologist who was found down the river from one of their mines, and he had been killed with pickaxes by the miners over a wage dispute. Oh, my God. And Mackey's widow stated... He had no idea who that could be. Hmm. The end. So that's the story. That's where it's at. He was never found, never heard from again. And that's the that's the theory now is that he basically went down there to South America, was doing all that, and the miners mm -hmm. killed him in just a simple wage dispute of all things. And I mean, that that's would, where the story that would make ends. Make the most sense. I mean. 
wow, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. yeah, that would make the most sense for him to die over something silly. I mean, look at Charles Harrelson. He was one of the <laughs> yep. most hired hitmen, and he ends up going to jail and dying in prison over a guy he didn't actually kill. Yep. So, yeah, so the case is still considered unsolved to this day. Right. And it'll probably and always be unsolved if, because right because even if even if that wasn't him right this is this is 2021 this is literally a hundred years later yeah I mean, there's he no way he's he ain't making it a hundred he ain't making it to a hundred and then the house that Fred and Edwina lived in was actually demolished in 1972 and they built a bunch of condos there in 2000 so yep so that's that one wow. It was a so bit crazier gruesome. of a story than I thought it was going to be. Right. I, I, that's what I say all the time. Like, I'll start looking into something, and then all of a sudden, you start going down these wormholes that you can't get out uh -huh. of, and you're involved yep. in, I mean, you started with two people being found murdered in an icebox, and you ended up being involved in the JFK assassination, and bodies being found in caves in Honduras. Yep. <laughs> People live some crazy lives. I just, I wonder what the motivation really was because it didn't seem like, so I've, I've seen pictures of the house, right? The house was nothing. It was not a, it was nothing fancy. Little bitty tiny house in Houston. Yeah, but where's his money like going? His, his girlfriend. <laughs> ah, or maybe he was just, he but, was just packing it away that whole time so that he could leave the country and live a lavish lifestyle and never want for anything. Wouldn't you being a very, very smart person, wouldn't you just say, Hey, you know what? I hate these two people. Right. I don't want to live with them. I'm going to go yeah. buy a mansion somewhere and I'm going to live my life with all the money I got and not worry about this anymore and not let this ruin my life. To me, he ruined his life. I mean, you can't, Unless that was unless that was the absolute goal was like, you know what, I just want to live in South America and I'm gonna go ahead and end all this before I go. But maybe like the whole thing crazy. was just his hatred towards them. Yeah. And so he built up this whole thing so he could do what he did or allegedly did. I mean, let's so be honest. Eighty one and seventy two, that's a pretty full life for uh for you to decide at that point to end it. Like <laughs> And then, and that brings us back, I guess, to the point of the execution style. It didn't seem like he hated his mom near as much as he hated his dad. That's why I was saying I didn't oh, yeah. think it was one of those things. It didn't sound like one of those deals where she was, you know, mafia executed. Right. You know what I mean? It was, I think it was, and one of the reports was even that, you know, that he had called her up there for something. And then when she came up, he shot her in the head. And then he went downstairs and, and did the rest with his dad. Yeah. Maybe it was just one of those situations he was just trying to get it quick, you know, yeah. over quick for his mom, but then just wanted to, like, really let out his anger with yeah. his dad. Yeah. I don't know. And that's Which one would of those tell things me this that was nobody more motivated know. by the... Right, but it, it, it also kind of... It makes me think this was more motivated by the abuse than right. it was by the, by the money um, right. situation there where they were committing all that fraud. Or maybe he thought that his dad was the reason his mom was doing all the fraud in the first place, because that was specific, that the mother was actually the one that was doing the um, 
forging of his name and and getting loans and and putting liens on the house and things like that that he was having to pay back maybe they found out what he was really doing and confronted him about it and so he was just like i'm gonna off you and i'm gonna i'm gonna hot tail out of here like in terms of jfk no i think like in terms of like money or like you know what i mean like you like it didn't seem like like he he was doing anything illegal no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if if they treated him as badly as as that as it sounds, maybe they confronted him like, "We know you have this money. We want it," or you know what I mean, like trying to take yeah, everything he has instead of. Does that make sense? And yeah, with the abuse and everything that he endured, because a lot of people that are abused as a kid, they grow up and they never get to that point where they feel like they can fight back. Right. So eventually they just snap. And right. So maybe it was a situation like that. And like I said, unfortunately, it's possible. This, it'll be one of those things that we'll never know because it'll never be solved. Right. You just had to pull out the most gruesome thing you could find, huh? Make sure and do better next time. It'll be more <laughs> gruesome. No, I'm good know. with that. Um. <laughs> You know, I did forget at the beginning of this to do the updates from the last one. Let's do it. We got updates. Hit us yeah. with the updates. Come on. So I have just one. So mm-hmm. on our last episode, we did the Phantom Killer and Texarkana. Right. We talked about how Yule Sweeney had uh, tried selling a stolen car in Atlanta. Yes. It was brought up to me. That we said Atlanta, Georgia. And it was not Atlanta, Georgia. It's Atlanta, Texas. Atlanta, Texas. See that? And that makes plenty of sense, right? Right. That, that um, That makes way more sense than... That's why I was saying it was like, how the hell? Right. So Atlanta, Texas is probably a little bitty state, huh? Or a little, I'm sorry, a little bitty town. Yeah, so Atlanta, Texas is only about 25 miles south of Texarkana. Yeah, okay. So, that makes way yeah. more sense. That's, with a population of 5,675 as of 2010. So, yeah. So, but back then, there was about 40 people there, and they were like, hey, we're going to go to the gas station and see if we can't scare somebody up. See, now that, that so the whole makes, story makes perfect more sense. sense. Right. Yes. So, I was so, so that's low. Our... I was like, how the yeah. hell are you going all the way to Atlanta, Georgia and scaring yeah. somebody up? Get out of here. That's not happening. Right. Okay. So that's our that's our updates corner from, from the last County. Week. All right. That see, that's nice. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we got that one. Thanks to whoever that was. Because that was mom. uh do we have a name? We have a name? Yeah, yeah mom. Mother? Yeah. Well see. Why don't we just have her on? Good lord. I've, just put her I've on tried. and she could just be the encyclopedia. <laughs> well, I've tried. I uh, I downloaded everything for her. And I even bought her the like mic set and everything. <laughs> so she's ready when we are. I don't think she's going to have much information for us on the icebox murders, though. Maybe maybe next one we'll do, so, we'll do one more recent. I'll see what I can pull out of the hat. Well, you know. Just go for gruesome. I think it's going to be the way to go. 
you started saying all that stuff about pork, and I was just like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. On to the next. Yeah, that. 